Sydney is going to read from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. The people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Sydney. Great job. All right. Uh, Good to see everybody. So there's this new app for your phone that I just heard about called Little Hoots, okay? Uh, I'm not a big app guy, but uh, I heard about this recently. It allows parents to quickly jot down on their phones those golden, precious, ridiculous quotes that little kids are saying all the time. And so it's right there. It's handy. You can drop it in there. And then later, if it's like a real gem, you can post it to the sort of community, um, the community board. And so what this turns into is a collection of the cutest, most insightful, funniest things that kids these days are saying. Okay. Sometimes these quotes give us a window back into our own childhood. So Graham, age six, says, everyone in my class wants to be a doctor. And his mom says, "Uh, what do you want to be when he grows up? He goes, a cheetah or a pig. I get you, Graham. Sometimes these quotes are earnest and focused, all right, and even driven. Sophia, age three, mommy, I'm not joking, I'm not kidding, and I'm not playing. I need chocolate. Sometimes they're really on to something. Claire, age three, you're not a human, you're a mom. And we're going to take this, uh, you know, give her the benefit of the doubt that she's calling her mom a superhuman, superhero, and not an alien, all right? Sometimes they're just starting to figure out the darker side of life a little bit. Jonah, age eight, what if the police lied and turned on their siren, but he was just going to get a taco for lunch? Good question, Jonah. Good question. And sometimes they're actually truly profound. Greta, age four, wrote or said, I better go to bed now. I have a dream locked up in my heart that I need to get out. How sweet is that? This morning at Grace, we're taking a week, as we said, to celebrate and encourage and be blessed by the children in our congregation, our church family. It's Grace Kids Sunday. And to all the children here uh, in our, in our um, service this morning, I want to tell you guys, you guys are a gift to our church. And we love having you as part of our family. The things you say, they make us laugh, they make us cry, they make us scratch our heads. Uh, somehow you make us feel young and old all at the same time. Your beautiful hearts are kind and loyal and full of faith. Often my own kids have reminded me of God's goodness by a simple question they ask at night as they go to bed. Kids are a gift. You know what else kids are? Kids are a lot of work. Okay, do you guys know how much work you guys are? Do you know how many lunches and breakfasts and dinners we have made for you? Do you know how much stuff we've schlepped for you on vacation and camping trips? In fact, there's this like mathematical formula that there's a direct inverse to the size of the child and the amount of stuff that they need to survive, okay? So like the smaller you guys were, 
the more stuff we had to bring along to make sure that you could live through the weekend. Kids, we love you. This whole church community loves you, and we're here for you, but we're also here for your parents, okay? Parents, you need it. Parents, teachers, volunteers, everyone who works with our kids up and down this whole valley, we want to encourage you too and support you and pray for you. Uh, My family just moved here about nine months ago to this valley, and like most other families that we've met here so far, we're separated from our extended family by hours, if not states or some of you continents. Um, So Grace Church, this community, is committed to being a resource for families to flourish in faith and in life in this valley. That's one of our driving values. We need one another to thrive here. Loneliness, I think, is one of the great plagues of our modern world. Um, and, the, and one of Jesus' most precious gifts of his gospel that he offers the church in our time is deep connections and relationships and spiritual friendships as we try to navigate the challenges here in our world. We need the whole church family. Singles and families, we need each other in each other's homes. Empty nesters and full nesters, we need each other. We need your wisdom, and you guys need to practice being grandparents anyway. Win-win, okay? There is so much good that comes from mixing and matching and the cross-pollination that just naturally happens in a church family. Grace Church wants to facilitate and encourage that as much as we can. But as we turn to our text this morning, this passage that Sydney just read from Mark 10, we see that being a resource for families in this valley is not just a community effort. Okay, it's certainly a community effort. We need each other. But if it only stays on that kind of horizontal plane, connections from people to people, human to human, family to family, even with all the resources and the love that we could muster, we would still fall short. It turns out it doesn't just take a village to raise our kids. It takes a kingdom to raise our kids, and it takes a king to lead us. There are th- one of the things that we see in this passage that just jumps off the page is that Jesus, King Jesus, is actually more invested in raising our kids than even we are. He's more committed to their good and their future and their growth than our entire churches combined. King Jesus loves our children even more than the combined hearts of everybody who knows them in this life. In this passage, Jesus shows us his deep value and care and love that he reserves for children. And I think he's got two messages in this passage for us today. This will be a bit of a shorter sermon, a a homily, if you will. So two things that I want you to see. Um, And the first is that he's got a message to the kids... And second, he's got a message to all you grown-ups out there, okay? So first, kids, I want to talk to you guys for a few minutes. This is a message that Jesus has in this passage for you. Jesus has been doing a lot of teaching in his ministry lately, all right? And he's taken up, you know, real, a wide range of topics. He's talking about money and marriage and leadership and fighting sin. He's talking about heaven and hell. And he's talking about all these weighty, serious, grown-up kinds of stuff that actually kids usually have an easier time understanding sometimes than grown-ups do. And the disciples, who happen to be grown-ups, are trying to take all this in, but 
the disciples can be pretty slow, okay? These guys aren't always the sharpest pencils in the drawer. Sometimes it takes them a long time to figure out what Jesus is talking about. So they're being serious, they're asking questions, they're taking notes, and they're being very serious as they listen to Jesus. Very serious, okay? And in the middle of all these teachings and the serious disciples, some kids arrive. Actually, whole families arrive. Young kids, old kids, parents, grandparents, even babies. And these families start bringing their kids to Jesus, but the serious disciples try to stop them. And this is what Jesus says. They were bringing the children to him that he might touch them, and the, disciple, and he, and the disciples rebuked the children. Basically, these grown-up disciples are saying to the kids, Sorry, buddies, but we're doing some really serious grown-up stuff over here and learning about God and his kingdom and how he's at work in the world. And it's, it's very deep and it's very hard and we're all very confused and we need you to go away so we can concentrate, all right? But when Jesus saw what they were doing, trying to keep the kids from coming to him, he was, it says, indignant. Is there any kid in here who knows what the word indignant means? That's a big word. Anybody know indignant? All right, write this down for the day. Indignant means very, very angry, okay? Jesus got mad at his followers for keeping the kids from coming to him. And he says, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to belong the kingdom of God. That last part is what I want you guys to hear this morning. That's what Jesus is telling you. His kingdom belongs to you. The the. The reason he got mad with the grown-ups that day is that they didn't think it did. They thought the kingdom was just for grown-ups. They didn't understand that God's kingdom was for the kids. It's for you. The question is, what does that even mean? Okay, so one day in school, someday soon, you will learn, if you haven't already, that as Americans... We don't like kings, okay? We fought a whole war to get out from under a king so we would never have to live in a kingdom again. And as Americans, we don't get it. We don't get kingdoms. We don't understand what it's like to live in a kingdom. We don't want to live in a kingdom. And so understanding what God's kingdom is like can be really hard for us, even us grown-ups, even your mom and dad, even certain people that went to grad school for three years to understand the Bible, right? Like The kingdom of God can be a hard thing to understand. What does it mean to live in his kingdom. Here's the best way I know how to explain it. The kingdom of God is wherever King Jesus is and whatever King Jesus is doing, okay? Wherever he is and whatever he's doing, that's where the kingdom of God is. So what is Jesus doing? Where is he in the world? Mark, throughout this gospel, has shown us that he, that he is at work in all kinds of ways. He loves to heal people who are sick. That's the kingdom of God. He loves to forgive people who are guilty and ashamed. That's the kingdom of God at work. He loves to bring joy where there was sadness and grief. Those are all places that King Jesus is acting like a king and extending his reign of joy. But it's also important to know that God's kingdom doesn't only feel like the fun and the happy times. Sometimes King Jesus is at work and reigning in our lives through hard stuff, stuff that doesn't feel great all the time. So he gives us patience when we're frustrated and we want to be mean to other people. I don't always feel good, but that's God's kingdom at work. He helps us obey him even when we don't really want to, and that's hard most of the time. Jesus helps us put other people before ourselves and serve and love them 
even when it costs us something. For example, like letting your little sister have the last popsicle in the freezer, even though you really wanted one, and because you're bigger and you're faster, you got there first and you could have had it, um, but you know that she would love it, so you hand it over, and it's a good thing, and God's kingdom is being extended, but it costs you something, doesn't it? You don't get the popsicle that day, but your sister does. See, that is God's kingdom in the world. Sometimes it feels happy, sometimes it feels sad, but it's always wherever Jesus is and whatever he is doing. And this is what he wants you to hear. You are in his kingdom all the way, all the way, not part way. You're not on the B team. You are on Jesus's A team, okay? There is not a varsity team that Jesus has recruited that's full of adults and grownups that are like, you know, um, that know a lot and can do a lot. And then a junior varsity team filled with kids, but like, yeah, you're cute, but one day you might graduate to the varsity team. That is not how Jesus set up his team. You know why? Because to be on Jesus' team, you don't have to know a lot of stuff. You don't have to be able to do a lot of stuff. You know what gets you on Jesus' team? Being able to trust him a lot, And kids, you kids, you are really good at trusting. In fact, us grown-ups have a lot to learn from you as you trust and love Jesus. He doesn't need our brains. He doesn't need our muscles. He needs our trust. And so you, just as much as your mom and dad, just as much as your pastor, just as much as your Sunday school teacher and anybody you know, are on Jesus' team, A-team, varsity. You are in God's kingdom, and he loves you so much. So the question I want to leave you kids with this morning, all right, you ready? To think about, maybe talk about with your family sometime is this. What do you love most about Jesus? What's your favorite thing about him? What promise does he give you that makes you the happiest and the most full of joy? What do you love about Jesus? Maybe think of something and tell your mom and dad later in the day. That's what Jesus has to say to kids. Here's what Jesus has to say to grown-ups. This one will be a little shorter, because I get to talk to grown-ups all the time. And talking to kids is kind of more fun. So this one will be shorter. One thing Jesus wants you to hear this morning, grown-ups, is to learn to receive God's kingdom just like the kids in our church family do. Verse 15, Jesus turns to the grown-ups now, and he says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child, like a small child, shall not enter it. Now, what is Jesus asking of us here? He's not asking of us childish behavior, okay? Um, Jesus is not saying be immature or naive or kind of like unwise to the world. He still calls us to be innocent as doves, yet shrewd as serpents. He's also not saying that there's a collection of character traits that kids have that we need to go out and try to emulate. He's not saying we've got to be pure at heart, angelic, submissive. First of all, if you know any children, okay, you know that uh, this is not always how children act. But second of all, that is a denial of the very grace of God's kingdom. Certain character traits do not save us. Grace saves us. And grace is exactly what Jesus is commending to the grown-ups here this morning. Children are helpless, and they are absolutely amazing at receiving presents. 
Okay? The fact that children are helpless is just sort of a fact. Um, if I were to leave my own children out on a trail in the mountains or on the corner downtown in the loop at Chicago, in, in neither place would they thrive and flourish. Okay? You can't just like leave children anywhere in the world. Children are needy. It's just a fact. It's undeniable. It is um, obvious and it's irrefutable. They need our help. They need help. The fact is, This is just as true of us, isn't it, of us grown-ups. We need help. We need help. But we have somehow found a way to convince ourselves it's not so obvious, it's kind of deniable, and we try to refute it all the time. Jesus is saying, be like children by acknowledging your great need before your great king, your great need of forgiveness and joy, community, grace, other-centeredness, God's presence. These are all things we need to survive and we can't produce on our own. You and I need all of that. Just say it, Jesus is saying. Just be needy like our kids. Let them teach us how to need. And when you do, you get another thing that kids are amazing at, receiving presents, okay? Grown-ups tend to be neurotic about gifts. We're not good at gifts. When we give a gift, we think, Boy, was that the right one? You know, did, is that the right amount I spent for that person? Was it too much, too little? Like, what is the, you know, what's this wedding going to cost? What should I bring? Like, should I have brought the $10 bottle of wine to that dinner or the $15 bottle? You know, like, we're neurotic about giving gifts. We're neurotic about receiving gifts. Do I owe them something now? How do you think I can give them a gift back? I need to find an excuse. We're not good at this. Children are amazing at this, okay? They don't have our compulsions and our problems when it comes to gifts. They give them without self-consciousness, even if I cannot tell what in the world I'm looking at. Like, I have no clue what my child just handed me. The fact that they it themselves and want me to have it, that's it. It fills them with incredible joy. They're just glad to give me anything. And when they receive it, it's like it's the most obvious thing in the world. Of course, I should receive gifts. Like, is that all there are under the tree? Where are the rest? You know? Not saying they're not thankful, but it doesn't even cross their mind that they might the gift giver anything. They don't function on the level of exchange. Grown-ups find it almost impossible not to. And that spirit of self-reliance and that mindset of exchange it's actually toxic to our faith, and it's directly opposed to the very gospel of God. Jesus' message to grown-ups is not about the character of children. It's about the character of God, the kingdom of God. All the ways that King Jesus is at work in this world is 100% gift. Christianity is about receiving a gift of love we didn't earn, we don't deserve, and we can't pay back. Have you learned, like your kids, to receive the gift of grace from God with great joy, without exchange, without self-reliance, without neurosis, uh, just to receive it like a little kid as a gift? So grown-ups, question I want to leave you with today to think about, maybe talk about with your family, is how can we relearn from the children in our church family how to receive God's love as a gift, all right? So now, there you go. You both have homework assignments. I'll leave you with that. Kids, hear this. We are for you. We love you. More importantly, though, 
Jesus loves you so, so much. Grown-ups, we love you. We are for you. But more importantly, Jesus loves you so, so much. As the worship team comes back up, um, let me pray for a time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word to children this morning and to grown-ups. We all need to learn what it's like to live in your kingdom. Help us open our hearts to receive the gift of your grace and your love. We ask these things in your name. Amen.